Hello and welcome to the latest official PlayStation Magazine mini-sode. Uh, the guys tell me it's number six, I don't know. I've not done any of these yet, apart from one when I was uh, in a very grubby uh, bedroom that was really damp of a horror house in San Francisco when I was out there for GDC and I Skyped back to deliver my hot GDC justice. Um, but I've not done one in here in the office since coming back. I'm Matt, by the way. I'm the editor. I should probably introduce that. I always forget that. Um, <laughs> Please and, don't. I'm um, in the middle of an issue. <laughs> and I'm here with Jen, and I'm here with Darren, a.k.a. Ben, a.k.a. Darren. Uh, and we are talking about only one topic in this mini-sode, and that topic is E3. I thought it was going to be Brexit. <laughs> So triple baby. So uh, so E3 happened a week ago as we're recording this. It is, of course, if you aren't familiar with E3, the big game industry event of the year. It's set in Los Angeles. It lasts for three days technically with the show floor being open, lots of games there to play, lots of devs milling around to interview. But two, three days before that, we also get a ton of conferences. So Bethesda, EA, Ubisoft, Sony, some other people we won't mention. They all have conferences <laughs> Uh, where they show off their wares. Uh, last year, um, which was my fifth E3, uh, was the Sony Conference of Dreams where they unveiled Final Fantasy VII Remake, they unveiled Shenmue 3, and they unveiled that The Last Guardian does exist and it was coming back. Uh, and I thought, there's no way it could possibly top that this year. So I actually didn't go this year. Not for that. Not for those reasons. <laughs> we're, like, we're done. We're done, Sony. <laughs> it, it was more because the mag wouldn't have got made this year if I was out there. So I took a backseat this year when it came to E3. And we sent out Jen to terrify the Americans instead. Well, uh, hey. And she was there when Sony delivered another conference that knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was ridiculous to the point where I actually sort of forgot to breathe for however long it went on for. It's all kind of a little bit of a blur. But I, I literally came out outside and sort of the sun was going down in L.A. just about. And I was like, oh, yeah, like breathing's a thing. Like because there was just like absolutely no let up during that mm. conference. I'm sure anyone at home who watched it, it was, you know, trailer after trailer after trailer of Oh, and we've got this game. Oh, and we've got this game. Oh, and we've got this game. So, I mean, this year they kicked off with uh, God of War Reimagination. Uh, that made, I, I won't say a surprise appearance because we all kind of thought God of War was going to yeah. be there. And then it rolled into the reveal of a game called Days Gone, which would then come back later on and, in fact, close the show with some gameplay. And then I get hazy. Like I've not rewatched it since, so I can't remember exactly the running order. But we had lots of good stuff there. We had a bit of Horizon Zero Dawn. There was a game that's very dear to my heart called Resident Evil, which we will talk about <laughs> in a little while. Uh, that made an appearance. A certain Mr. Bandicoot. Uh, I won't say he showed up because that didn't quite happen or not in the form that kind of... We wanted to see him in, in so much as seeing the remake that's happening. They didn't show that off, but they announced it and they showed off his uh, Skylanders guys. You might say the shadow of him was there. The shadow of him was there. <laughs> uh, and there's tons of other stuff. Um, how about we kick off with one I've not yet mentioned because I know that Ben is itching to talk about it. Yeah. A certain Marvel web slinger. Yes, Spider-Man made by Insomniac. Why Insomniac? PS4. Why not Sucker Punch? So Sucker Punch, uh, of course, if you don't know, the team who make Infamous, you know, first party uh, open world sandbox game, it feels like they have the tech, the know-how to make 
a Spider-Man game at Sucker Punch, but Insomniac's making it. And Insomniac is an incredible studio. They did Ratchet and Clank this year, which yep. was brilliant. It's one of the best games you can pick up mm. on PS4. Coming so off good. the back of Ratchet and Clank, Spider-Man's a very different proposition. It's um, From the looks of the trailer, it's going to be open world, like a lot of Spider-Man games have been in the past. But Insomniac have form of that with... Yep. Uh, some game called Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, like they made. Like we, we can talk <laughs> about it. They the made a game called is. Sunset Overdrive, which I'm sad never came to PlayStation. It was an yeah. Xbox One exclusive. It's pretty fun. Like it didn't revolutionise the world. It wasn't exactly like getting ten out of tens across the board, but it was good. And it's one that I look at, you know, as OPM editor and think, damn, I wish we had that to talk about in the mag and to play because I played it. I enjoyed it. Um, <gasps> oh, I know. I think I know. it's it's a movement thing with Insomniac, right? Like we've been talking about it a little bit, and it just sort of makes sense, like they definitely have the talent for creating a game that just feels brilliant to mm. play. I mean, Sunset Overdrive had that going for it, even yeah. where it lacked in places. Um, Ratchet and Clank, you know, half the fun of that game was just bouncing Ratchet around the world. So it like felt incredible, and that's exactly what you want from a spider mm. game, isn't it? I mean, even looking from that trailer, the way he moves, is uh, it almost looks like the way it does in the films. The, the Hopscotching over the tables, yeah, flipped in the air, the wall with bouncing off pillars. Yeah, it's just natural Spidey stuff. But um, it's exciting. And I think the big thing as well, this will be the first time um, you're looking at a Spider-Man game that has a lot of backing behind it. Yeah. So not a tie-in like Spider-Man 2 or the Treyarch Spider-Mans on PS2. Uh, not like the Neversoft Spider-Mans on PS1 and the later era Activision ones like Shat Dimensions. Um, Did you some... just call it Shat Dimensions? <laughs> Shat, Shat Dimensions. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't. Oh, um... it's a classic Tyra Pan. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he's definitely like a superhero that should be really easy to nail. Yeah. But... I mean, Spider-Man 2 is a great game. I remember yeah, playing yeah. that through to finish and, and I'm got... absolutely loving it. However, like this, we've got really high hopes. This should, in theory, be the best Spider-Man game yet. There's, there's very... Well, I don't think there are any excuses why it can't be. Oh, yeah. It being exclusive, yes, Sony's going to be ours. chucking money at this to make sure it's done right. I think Marvel will be chucking money at it yeah, as totally. well. Because if I, we... Oh, I, mean, ju- I mean, just think, like, put yourself in Marvel's shoes. They, they've had loads of games, like, really poorly received in the last decade or so. And they've sat back and they've watched... Um, I say watch Warner do this. Technically, the first Batman Arkham Asylum was published by IDOS. And Square Enix, like, Warner only stepped in when they realised it was good and, and picked up Arkham City and beyond. So they saw Rocksteady, um, having only had one game in their past, which was Urban Chaos, kind of come out of nowhere with Batman Arkham Asylum and totally, totally change the landscape for licensed games, totally rip up the rule book. Post-Arkham Asylum, you didn't see any more movie tie-ins, or very, very few. Um, whereas before we were just inundated with dross that was tied into what was hitting the cinemas uh, that month. Um, and they rewrote the rule books. And Marvel has watched as, you know, Batman's got better and better, or that's perhaps not the term to use, but more popular and more popular. Hmm. I think Arkham Asylum still, to me, is the pinnacle of that series. Uh, and they think, well, why can't we have a piece of this pie? Like, we're absolutely dominating when it comes to the cinema verse, you know, the Marvel stuff versus Batman versus Superman, for instance. Why can't they do the same in the game? And this is the first step towards that. And what's also really important as well is looking at Spider-Man Homecoming in 2017. If we look at another massive movie that came out at the end of last year in Star Wars The Force Awakens and how Battlefront tied into that, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd look at that and think, we don't need to make a game that reflects the movie. We can just have a game 
that is there for yeah. when the movie's out and popularity hits his peak. And it's a shame because growing up, uh, Spider-Man was probably my favourite comic book hero. Batman a very close second, but mm-hmm. there's something you know there's something about the the nerd gone right that everybody relates to with Peter Parker. So God, I'm so excited. It's weird being <laughs> as excited as I am for a game that has no release date and I've seen a minute of. But just the thought of like a Spider-Man game with that sort of uh, production budget behind it and giving you like giving one of the world's best developers yeah. the keys to that uh, kingdom. Oh my God, I cannot wait. <laughs> So, so off the back of E3, Ben, that is the game that you are most excited yeah. about. Jen, what game are you most excited about above all others? It's difficult. I've definitely got like a clear, like, four. <laughs> okay, is what one game oh. are you most excited about? Come on, I, Jen. Like, okay. but, and, and I'm not going to let you say the Crash Bandicoot remake okay. of 1 to 3 yeah. because we didn't oh, see that. Right. Like, I know. It was, we, it was a good, very shiny but, banner that yeah, slowly we, descended from the ceiling. We didn't see that game. To the sound so, of my beating heart. <laughs> so what game okay. did you see or play? I am going to go for a very, very tentative Watch Dogs 2. Ooh. Now, hear me out. I... I cannot stop thinking about... Oh, sell out. Downgrades. Hashtag 2.0. Big Brother 2.0, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's a weird one, and I don't really want to be in this position because I was one of those people that got very, very excited about the first Watch Dogs, and I, I was like kind of all the rest of us in that. I saw quite a lot of like preview footage for it and it kind of wasn't entirely representative of what we got as a final package and like it, it was like a decent game like definitely we gave it like a 7 out of 10 right like <laughs> yeah I <laughs> sorry I'm, go, I'm going renegade I'm not keeping this under wraps anymore I gave it 7 out of 10 and I had a half hour argument with Ubisoft off the back of giving that score wowzer uh, people I think if they picked up issue 100 saw me reference a game where I argued with a PR at length about the score that I gave it that's the one uh, and it was over a watchdog score because apparently I should have been kinder to a new IP and my response was that um, I hope that the review highlights everything that was wrong with it so that mm. the teams can then understand and make a better game second time out so they can do an Assassin's Creed 2 or a Far Cry 3 response to the previous game which was really cool in some places but massively flawed in the others yeah um, and I hope and that's the, what they're doing. Yeah, and they're like, hey, I'll give a better score to when they make a better game. Yeah, um, so maybe that better game is Watch Dogs 2. Like, I got some. I so got... I can claim credit for Watch Dogs 2. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like, right. that was all me, mate. That was all me. In the credits. <laughs> Matthew Peller, inspiration. But yeah, I got about a uh, half hour hands on with it where I kind of like tested out some single player play. I got to sort of run around in, in the new San Fran sandbox and I even did a little bit of co op as well, um, which is, you know, it's again, it's kind of got that like scene experience um, where you're able to just walk up to other players in the world and and sort of like start missions and like get involved with them um, which is a great idea from the mm-hmm. first game like that kind of like integration um, but like it's it just feels so different it feels it the, the kind of change and shift to um, like some like you've mentioned like the Assassin's Creed sequel like yeah. you can kind of feel that this was how it was meant to be yeah like the ideas were all there in Watch Dogs 1 but it just it didn't feel like the the right location, the right protagonist, kind of the tone was off, like things descended into firefights, which is not what any of us wanted. We saw that original gameplay and we were like, oh, we, we want to be we want to be in that hacker fantasy and we want to be kind of at least I did like sleuthing around and kind of using creative setups and using all these like. Un, untold powers we weren't aware of like oh we're gonna like change traffic signals and like cause huge pile-ups and like without having to file, fire a single bullet right which is not 
what mm-hmm. happened in the actual game. This one, like, I, I played my entire hands-on, like, completely non-lethally, and I absolutely did not miss the guns. <laughs> um, and is incredible. So he's, like, the new protagonist, Marcus Holloway, like, he's way more vibrant. He kind of matches the city. He's got kind of that, like, sort of younger, um, sort of more excitable, like, uh, vibe to him. His par- parkour, like, feels way more fluid. Um, he's just easier to get on with than Aiden, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's he's got so many toys at his disposal, and they are toys. Like there's literal toys. There's you know the quadcopter and the jumper, so they kind of like little wheeled and winged drones that like fly around, kind of do your hacker bidding. You can hack things through the quadcopter, kind of like remotely. It's like a chain of hacking. Um, but then like even his like melee weapons and his kind of taser gun are toys. Like his taser gun's like this funny little bright orange thing that kind of like take out like huge beefy guards right. with and they'll kind of like fall to the floor jittering and you kind of just stroll past them he's got kind of remote detonation grenades that zap people and do the the same sort of like non-lethal takeout um he's got this yeah this melee weapon i don't know if it has a name but it's it's um it's basically a pool ball on the end of some bungee cord that he kind of like whips around him it feels amazing to use and it looks kind of ridiculous but also terrifying okay. it's like there's there's so much going on like you guys will have seen kind of the gameplay trailer that came out where he he's kind of he's like essentially like yo drop me a sick beat which is kind of like a little ridiculous those are not like his entire words but like it's so much more fun like and i asked one of the devs when i was playing i was like can you can you pop in your earphones and basically basically play like a like a track from your mp3 player as you go in and do these like missions where you're taking down a political powerhouse like using your hacking and they're like yeah you can totally do that it's about kind of fulfilling that fantasy mm-hmm. of like just being a kid and like building your own like spotify soundtrack to go in and just sort of cause like chaos with it's exactly what i wanted i'm so glad it's I get fulfilling to do it. the fantasy of being a kid and breaking into <laughs> the houses no of the one rich else and famous that. and no twatting them that. with a pool ball <laughs> yeah pretty, no one else had that fantasy this is a, a dodgy thing too. <laughs> i'm gonna play i'm gonna play some blink 182 some good charlotte i'm gonna go into my oh, punk soundtrack dude. i'm gonna be like Ooh. for a moment i thought you were gonna say is there any way you can pop in some earphones and mute markers <laughs> <laughs> No, that's the thing. Like, I think I kind of have a higher tolerance for like some of the kind of like hashtag WTF stuff. Like, I'm kind of down with Wrench, the guy with emoji glasses. Like, I think it's fun. Like, it's not taking itself too seriously. It just seems like dumb fun. And I think as long as it's not like too kind of gonna set people's teeth on edge, I think that's where the danger lies. But like, as far as a game that like finally like delivers on basically the promises of Ubisoft from that first game. I think I think it's much more in line with that, and I am very excited for it. <laughs> I can Even... see, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like it's it's a it's a dodgy one, and I think a lot of people will be like understandably feeling a bit like, oh, can we trust? You know, we're going to be playing what we're seeing, but I've got I've got faith definitely. Um, so this is going to sound very sort of uh, pretentious, but you look at the cover from the first Watch Watchdogs, and it's very grey. Yeah. it's grim. It's a man with a gun. Watchdogs two bright vibrant loads of big primary colors and oh, yeah I agree. Like, it seems like a massive change in tone it seems alive right there's you know i'm walking around san fran in my hands on there's like a dude in a lobster suit over there i'm kind of like you know there's music playing out of cars you can kind of remote hack cars and like drive them around and npcs react to things they'll call the cops on people if they see a fight going on like the world is living around you there's kind of rubbish blowing through the streets like it's 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 definitely got 
something more to it rather than kind of this like sort of really quite cold grey sandbox that we got with the first game. It, it feels a lot more like kind of the city exists like despite you um, and you're there to sort of actually make your mark on it and kind of like cause chaos a little bit. I'm excited about that. So that's one vote for Spider-Man, <laughs> one vote for Watch Dogs 2. I wonder what Matt's going to go for. Yeah, so another reinvention, but it's a reinvention of horror. Uh, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, uh, have been ever since I first saw that first zombie uh, when I was playing actually on the Sega Saturn originally uh, because the Sega Saturn had an extra mode over the PlayStation version. Uh, that's the Exclusive. hard truth. But, I, but it's all right. I got, the, um, I got the director's cut on PlayStation and then I stuck with PlayStation ever since for a resi. Uh, so Resident Evil 7. Um, a year ago, I was raving about a, a little VR experience called Kitchen. Um, and I had an inkling that it was going to turn into a Resident Evil, but I kind of had to sit on that uh, for 365 days. Uh, <laughs> a little while. Because of the Sony conference uh, and the big reveal. Um, so, yeah, we weren't able to, to do much on that prior to, to then even to the extent where we wanted to do a big feature just purely on kitchen like not linking it to resi and even then they were like no we can't like release any images of this because it's going to form part of what it becomes um <laughs> so yeah resident evil is suddenly very different uh, and resident evil isn't above reinventing itself in the past and it's done so with kind of mixed success resi's one through three were very similar um, Code Veronica obviously took things to a 3D environment. I was always more partial to the 2D pre-rendered backgrounds. Uh, Resi 4 completely changed the rulebook. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say it was for the better because that suggests that um, what what came before was inferior, and I actually loved that series. Uh, though, you know those original ones of the series, but Resi 4 was a masterpiece. Like that is not a word that can be thrown around uh, many games. That totally was a masterpiece. Utterly brilliant. Utterly uh, unequaled for. It wasn't really survival horror. I think it was more survival action. Um, brilliant, brilliant game. It's going to be coming out on PS4, obviously in a month or two. Uh, I will be playing it again when that does. Absolutely. Then Resi 5 happened and everyone kind of lost their shit over it. And I was really disappointed with Resi 5. I did not like Resi 5 very much at all. Um, I thought it was a bit of a betrayal of what Resi 4 stood for. I thought the co-op stuff was shoehorned in and it lost a lot of the pacing that, um, that 4 had so brilliantly pieced together. And Resi 6 was... Um, Ironically, I liked Resi 6 more than most people, <laughs> but it, it was a total misstep. The thing I liked about 6 that a lot of others didn't is that if you played Resident Evil 6 the way that it wanted you to play, then actually it had a lot of really nice things about it. But everybody played Resident Evil 6 as if it were Resident Evil 4. Mm. And if you play Resi 6 as if it's Resi 4, using you know the same motions, the same tactics, it is a terrible game that you cannot eke any enjoyment out of whatsoever. You have to, to, to enjoy Resi 6. It's such a weird thing to say to enjoy something, you have to do something else. But to enjoy Resi 6, you have to really... Like sacrifice what you've held dear in that series in terms of how you approach it. And you have to throw yourself in and just accept that you're going to have to do things differently. So, for example, like there are certain sections where um, maybe you're fighting a helicopter and even just saying that in resi is a bit <laughs> cringeworthy. But like you need to be jumping on the floor and rolling around like left and right in order to effectively take down that thing 
Whereas if you just stand there, like root yourself to the spot and fire like you would as Leon Kennedy in Resi 4, you'll just get shot loads and you won't enjoy it whatsoever. You have to really change the way you play. And unfortunately, it didn't do a great job of explaining that and not very many people gave it the chance to explain it naturally through play. Um, so, so I think it got a bit of a, a more bum deal than it actually deserved. But five and six were like, Sears going totally off the rails. And we've just got in what Umbrella Core for review. We've not turned it on yet, but <laughs> just for, just from it's previews. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but then Resi Seven. So first person, big shift. Different. If someone had said to yeah. me first person Resi, and yes, I know there was Gun Survivor and like the <laughs> the follow arm for Code Veronica. So first person Resi has technically existed, but as a mainline Resident Evil first person, I would be initially my reaction would be what the hell. But then you play it and you can play the demo. If you're a PS Plus subscriber, you can get it right now, download it. Um, and it's great. It's Everyone's throwing PT at it. Yeah. Everyone's saying it's a new PT. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There are elements that are definitely like PT. It's more like Outlast, I think. It's closer to Outlast than it is to PT. First time you play that demo, it's really creepy, really unsettling. I think the more you play it, it actually becomes a very safe demo. It's not too bad, but feels like there's quite a lot rooted in it that it's fun to just hunt down and it's more true to Resident Evil than you might first suspect like opening drawers getting a lock picked get mm. into a certain drawer mm. um there will be herbs come the final game there will be combat <laughs> um like you can get an axe in the demo and obviously my head goes back to when you used to use the the knife a lot in Resi and Resi 2 um it's it's a really promising step for the series um I don't want to talk about the actual content of the demo because um, in the issue that we've just finished, we don't really talk too much about the content because it's one that you need to play for yourself. And how many times have you played it so far? Oh, I don't know, about 10 or something. 10? Um, yeah, I like there are there's a couple of things I want them to change for the final game okay. or just like build on or tweak. Um, but I think it's such a promising glimpse at what Resi 7 is going to become. And... You know, we've stood by and we've seen Resi go from like the pinnacle of survival horror to like the pinnacle of action games and then just an average action game. And this is a total like about turn back to horror and back again, it seems to the pinnacle of horror. And just because it's not done in the same way that, you know, Resi 1 to 3 was done or Resi 4, that shouldn't mean that we like write it off immediately. And hey, we're going to get Resi 2 remake which should, in theory, be like Resi 2 was, yeah. but just prettier. So it's not like we're never going to experience that Resi again, because we totally are, but I'm all for this, this new, Time for a new, one. new type of Resi that just wants to scare the shit out of you. Um, and that, like, I thought it was scary enough just playing it on my PS4. Jen, oh, you played it in PSVR. Yeah, it was uh, traumatizing, but <laughs> also amazing. Like, if you are a horror fan, you kind of have this, you walk this weird line between, I just want to fall over and cry, mm. but also this is like the most fun I've had in ages. <laughs> like, it's very, very strange. But I think I could handle it in, in VR fine, so long as there was no yeah. motion sickness. Yeah, I didn't get I sick. I know, I know a few people kind of got a little bit sick on stuff. I didn't have that problem at all. I mainly felt a little bit ill just because I was so tense, <laughs> I think. Like, it wasn't motion sickness at all. I just, I had no idea what to expect. Obviously, I went totally, yeah. totally blind. Um, and I just, I didn't know whether I was just going to get changed 
paced through the corridors of this house or whether I wasn't going to see anything. Because um, last year with Kitchen, like I was one of the only people who played it and, mm. and enjoyed it. I say, like, no, everyone liked it. Yeah. But there were these videos, these reaction videos coming out after. And if you go back and watch mine on YouTube, I'm like, it was really fun. I was <laughs> laughing throughout. You get stabbed in the leg at one point. Oh, I thought it was a hoot. <laughs> and every, everyone's just <laughs> like, oh, it's good. the most terrifying thing we've ever seen. And I cried and I, I was scared to wear VR. It's oh, like, get over yourself. I cannot like, say that I was chuckling uh through my resi 7 vr you demo <laughs> oh, it's, oh what larks no i'd screamed i did scream a little bit um the, the difference the difference though i would say is that in kitchen mm. that was a very passive experience like there were a couple of things you triggered just by moving your hand or yeah. your head but all you could do was that you were sat in a chair and you could not move so like i think my brain was like well, well there's nothing i can do about it anyway <laughs> like they have made something where something is going to pop up at me like a boob or whatever and I'm fine with that. Like, I expected that. Yeah. The, the difference is with the full game Resi 7, you are walking about. So uh, something horrible happening to you is only a given when you walk into that when situation. You it, I, so you yourself oh, yeah. create that environment that, where you're responsible for something happening to you or not. And that is a very different type of it's fear. It's horrific. Where, 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 like, yeah, if it's an on-rails thing where it's planned and, yeah. like, you, my brain almost second guesses, right, what are the devs going to do to try and wig me out at this yeah. point? Whereas, yeah, if you are in total control, suddenly it becomes a thing. different ballgame. And game. you know to progress certain things that you have to do things. You and have that, to do something like, horrible. There was, a, there was a moment, and like no spoilers, but if you if you are a horror fan or if you've just seen like certain horror movies, like you say Blair Witch, the yeah. Blair Witch Project, there is a moment in uh, Resi VR which will seem extremely familiar to you. And so you'll kind of know what's coming, yeah. um, which... If it like doesn't lessen the experience of it being scary, if anything, it it just makes you more terrified. I, I think you, it heightens it because yeah, you make you know you, you recall that film, choice. which for yeah. us was like okay, I wasn't quite a kid at the time. Oh, well, it, I was a teenager. It, it you you were probably like right the hell out. four years old, especially because for the whole of that film, and it was like, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> I was like that flew over my head. I was thinking blow it, but like the, the whole of that film, it's there's kind of like a sense something is happening, and then it it really kind of builds this moment where. Um, it kind of all comes to a head and, and there's kind of payoff scares, right? Um, and, and the same sort of thing happies, happens in, in certain versions of the, the Resi, uh, Resi 7 demo. Um, and yeah, like having to go towards that and being like, I know what's going to happen here. And like, this is where I just orchestrate my own heart attack. Like I said, I said to the, we had a PR in the room with me and I just, was just in this little virtual world with my face in Resi 7 VR, just un, like, and I knew I wasn't really going to be able to look away. And I was like, do I have, do I have, do I have to go up to this? And she was like, yes, I'm afraid you do. I, I did ask, <laughs> I, I got a tweet with a picture of Jen playing it. Uh, from the PR and I did ask I requested Capcom to grab her shoulders at a really scary point and yell boo uh, sadly I don't evil. think that they did evil uh, <laughs> evil resident evil <laughs> but well, I, I, I they didn't because Jen's still with us <laughs> yeah. I would say um, and I, like, I, I heard stories of people taking off that headset halfway through that demo to which I say boo like man up woman up grow some balls slash whatever genitalia you prefer like it's fun like it's terrifying but it's fun and i would say that like apparently the whole game they confirmed at the conference right it's going to be playable, playable like, from start, to, from finish start to finish in vr should you choose to do so mm -hmm. um and having played that demo in vr i say it's 
like hopefully they'll make the whole game work in mm -hmm. that perspective and like they'll sort out some motion sickness things and stuff like that um but it's absolutely something i would recommend if you ever get the chance to even play mm -hmm. that demo or or if you if you're able to you know buy a psvr headset i would absolutely recommend it like there's nothing quite like being in horror it was my first like vr horror yeah. ever kitchen was my first vr experience full stop and mm. i was just like what a way to, to get <laughs> into it special so this is, this is a bit of a light touch on E3 because obviously there was a lot that was announced at the show. A lot of cool stuff was revealed, the likes of Days Gone. Um, Jen, you played Horizon. I did. Uh, we saw lots more on Detroit, for instance. And that's just first party stuff. You know, we played Titanfall 2, we played Battlefield 1, we played Steep, we played and saw tons and tons of stuff. We chatted to loads of people. We don't have time to go through it all, especially in a mini-sode. Um, but we have just sent to bed the next issue. So the next issue is out 5th of July. We'll go into it in a bit more detail um, in our next podcast. But I just want to flag up that once again, it's our big E3 special. Uh, it is the Hot 50 again, which will be the fifth Hot 50 that we've done, the fifth annual Hot 50. Uh, it also comes with the second magazine, which is our big E3 award. So you've got 184 page of greatness from the team that's all about the, the hottest games at E3 that we played and we sawed, uh, we, that we saw, that we that saw. We Crikey. <laughs> you can tell how much it's taken out of us. Putting that issue together was tough. Um, <laughs> we've got like really cool stuff on God of War, some awesome artwork and screens of God of War and uh, a ton of info on that. Um, all the games that you care about, all the games that matter to you, we have got. Uh, one that we haven't mentioned yet, um, which you might be thinking, why haven't they talked about this game? We've got a question on it in a second, so I won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, 5th of July, have that in your mind already, because that is, if you buy one issue this year, and please buy more than one issue, but if you only buy one issue, make it that one, because that is going to like tell you all the cool stuff that's coming out in the next couple of years, and is not to be missed. Oh, and we played Last Guardian and GT Sport in it. That alone is definitely worth checking out for. Um, should we ask some questions, Ben? Yes. So it was interesting you mentioned a certain game starring uh, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. And his Norman Fetus. And his Norman Fetus. <laughs> where Kojima's Death Stranding. So No More Shadows at Okits NMS on Twitter asks, that Death Stranding trailer, what the fudge is going on there? And that's actually what he put online. Oh, That's yeah. not a classic... No no censorage there. No, that no, is, no. Uh, that's all pure. What is going on? So... That game's a way off, it right? Is. So they've they've we don't not even been know working. What it is. They've not been working on it long. <laughs> Kojima's dropping some cryptic hints as to what it might be. Well, he like he said, it. oh, like people who likes his stuff in the past and likes action things and like Last Fans of Us and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Will be pleased. So naturally, we genre-wise expected to be pretty similar the to that. Trailer for that, it just it doesn't look like a big Uncharted blockbuster no, from that trailer. No. I mean, the thing is, if you pan that camera 180 degrees around, there's actually a massive train hanging off the cliff oh, you've got yeah. to climb up. There's just huge yeah. slopes of shale. No, like. cheeky codge <laughs> at it again. Yeah, so, so like, people already dig around in that trailer trying to find secrets. Um, like, he wears, a, like, a necklace with these metal bars on. They've all got... Uh, some tags. strong maths on there, like maths guy here. He's like I'm like, oh maths, but like he's got equations a huge scar for on his belly. Yeah, like, so like he's got belly scar for like presumably the baby. His but weird he, baby. he's got these handcuffs that are futuristic. Quite clearly, they've got glowing blue lights in them. Uh, the mathematical equations. People are saying, well, it looks like he's come through a black hole. 
first of all, that wouldn't be what anyone would look like coming through a black <laughs> no, hole. Speaking as a maths guy, like... no. Um, <laughs> however, like it looks like that's what the the maths it's is alluding to. Um, there's floating there, there's bodies in the sky. Floating bodies in the sky. There are lots of comparisons being drawn to Terminator. Yeah. Um, I think Games Radar might actually have something coming out on that. Uh, by the time we're out, actually, uh, the yeah, there are certain scenes that just feel like direct nods, let's say, to Terminator. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting, but you'll hear a lot more about that, uh, you know, in the coming months and years before it's out. Uh, that story is only just beginning, and yeah. to be honest, we can't yeah. even begin to start picking it Little apart at this point. Of its own, yes, merely a cluster of cells in Codge's mind palace of wonders. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to move away from Death Stranding because it's getting weird at the end there. Well, I nearly just started talking like about game. Hideo Kojima's uterus, so yeah, let's just let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. <laughs> uh, Ken Allsop at Ken Y2Ken asks on Twitter which game did Jen got the most unexpectedly positive response from the audience and conversely the most muted I mean I was at EA Play, EA Play and I know my name isn't Jen but one of the one of the uh, big things there was uh, it was hands on in Battlefield 1 it was 64 players and at the end of every match uh, everybody started clapping spontaneously oh, really applause there was applause for Battlefield 1 so I was that was quite surprising yeah that's event. weird I mean but then there has been a lot of hype for Battlefield 1 really I think the trailer kind of like set everybody <laughs> like on fire they were like oh my goodness this looks incredible like um, and, and it does like we we played it, it like it's looking incredible the weather effects in that game are unbelievable we're talking a lot you, you and I Ben about how that sort of changes the game um, but something there's kind of been less enthusiasm for shall we say has been Call of Duty I think like it kind of got swept up in the whole like sh everyone was like oh let's play them off against each other um, we've kind of talked a little bit on the podcast recently about kind of whether we, we're looking forward to Battlefield or Call of Duty our last podcast episode was called Cod versus Battlefield it was indeed we um, are probably so Ben is responsible so <laughs> Who's <laughs> responsible for pitting them against each other and starting this war, this the shooter war? How could you? Um, but yeah, speaking of unexpectedly positive, I think like Call of Duty got that response. Yeah. Um, and, and just to clarify, that's not unexpectedly positive because we don't believe it isn't going to be great. If you listen to that podcast, you know that we are convinced it will be. Yeah, definitely. And right now on shelves, uh, up until the 4th of July, we have an issue that has Call of Duty on the cover. Yeah. Now, we would not have ever dreamt of putting Call of Duty on the cover unless we weren't already like Positive. really, really fond of what it's doing. Um, we've got some great things in that feature that I definitely suggest if you haven't yet, pick up the issue, check it out. Uh, this is a COD that we are thinking is going to be really good it's going to be a high point for cod in yeah. recent years however it was an unexpectedly positive um reaction to it From just because yeah. everyone had been so negative yeah. about yeah. it yeah. walking yeah. into yeah. e3 yeah. and actually it was the case where uh you you said to me you sense this in the room as well initially you know like when that was playing yes everyone's watching everyone's like this looks rad yeah what no game one, is it no one had what is it and, and it was like <laughs> silence and you could see on everybody's faces they're kind of looking at like trying to work it out they're like okay we're in space and it's like dog fighting and something's happening and there's a grappling hook and anti-gravity grenades and oh my goodness it's call of duty like <laughs> because it, it did just sort of slowly dawn on everyone and and kind of by, by the time that trailer wrapped up and it sh showed showed us so many new things 
um, and looked incredible. Kind of everyone, everyone was like giving it a huge round of applause. Um, and I think the, the same sort of happened on the interwebs as well. I think everyone was like, you know what, fair play. Like we hadn't really seen too much um, beyond sort of like cinematic glimpses. Um, and the internet showing humility. <laughs> what is this madness? Yeah, I think everyone was 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 pleasantly surprised, and it's it's kind of proving that COD is is sort of branching out now and, mm. and doing some really cool new stuff. I can't wait to see like how like some of those those sort of new toys come into play. I think it's it's so exciting. Like dog fighting looks incredible. I don't know, I think it it doesn't look like it's gonna be on rails. It looks like a proper sort of like flying around between missions and like space hubs. What do you think? I, I reckon some of the fights will probably end up being in a certain area. Mm. So you'll be have... a bit like in um Black Ops Two over yeah. LA, yeah, and no, in Black Ops One as well, where you're flying down the river in Vietnam, mm. and you can kind of follow a certain area. It just looks so great for it to be in space, like, and and that, and that gameplay trailer seems to suggest that quite a, quite a lot of it would be set there. I think there was like yeah. kind of um, like uncertainty about like how much time we would be sent, we would be spending in space, um, but like the sort of stuff you can pull off there already from like looking at that trailer like those anti-gravity grenades that make your enemies float and then you like grapple them towards you it's like come zero g call of duty like that's exciting that's the one thing we can take away from e3 this year that uh is the year of the grapple hook it is the year of the grapple hook uncharted for a industry leader as ever getting its <laughs> grappling cooking early so, so that was the game that had like the most unexpectedly mm. positive reaction mm -hmm. from the audience when you were there in the auditorium, what had like a more muted reaction given how great it, it was displayed? Yeah, and it was an incredible conference, um, which made it kind of all the more obvious that it was days gone, which I think showed up second was it after god it was War? second so for just like a, like a scene it's setting just like a scene trailer. sort of setting the scene um, and then it closed the conference with yeah, the gameplay yeah so the the kind of scene setting trailer was like based on kind of the story it's going to explore about the protagonist and kind of like his girlfriend we see he seems to have kind of lost her sometime in the past and now it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world where a disease has kind of infected humans and they're not quite zombies they're just sort of like they're freakers they're freakers they're crazy Crazy, monstrous people who quite like to eat uh, human flesh. So make of that what you will. Um, but yeah, I think everyone was kind of befuddled by that, especially after a, a God of War. I think everyone was kind of like, uh, okay, and we hadn't really seen a lot of what it, exactly it was. Um, and then they closed out the conference with some gameplay, which really blew people away and again like cod it was again a sort of gradual shift mm. in understanding where people were like oh my goodness like this is sort of terrifying i was the same at first i was like nah, not sure what that was um and then as as kind of the the live demo unfolded you kind of understood um just how sort of terrifying this game looks yeah. to play the sort of it's it's not about killing these these freakers really it's more about slowing them down because there's so many of it them. really reminds me of left for dead yeah in so many ways or yeah. a series that never came to playstation sadly but the valve pc uh classic mm. i think that is mm -hmm. a fair word to use for left for dead yeah um it is about stemming the ties yes. of the zombies or the yeah. freakers in this situation and just buying yourself an extra few seconds yeah to survive and then at the end of that what can you do to buy a few more seconds to survive and yeah. so on and, and then, so on and then it's sort of taking those sort of encounters and then setting it in an open world where you know you're you're crafting and you're um getting resources there's kind of an ecology and you you need food to survive and it's kind of set within a, a larger ecosystem mm. um it seems hugely exciting but 
um, again, yeah, such a muted response that I think after that narrative trailer played and people were a bit kind of confused, people actually got up to leave as they were kind of like, okay, now we're going to have a live demo of Days Gone to close out the show. Like, yeah. it was kind of a risky move, I guess. I completely understand why they did it once Come I saw it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it kind of, con I couldn't believe people were like leaving that conference. Like, I can, my legs were jelly at that point. I was like, I, I need a Maybe they just wanted to go breathe as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got time for one more question. Ben, what's uh, it going to be? This is from Paul uh, Jeremiah Hayes uh, from Twitter. And he asks, with the game industry making a mid-generation shift towards VR, do you think VR will be able to break into the mainstream or will it always be only for the niche audience? Matt, your thoughts? I think PlayStation VR marks the most realistic chance for VR to become mainstream. I think it truly has the best shot of anything. I think if it doesn't succeed, then I can't see any other VR devices truly. I mean, you got Gear VR and stuff for mobile phones, um, which kind of are pretty accessible for people to get into. But in terms of a proper, this is a VR device to play cool, new, powerful games, I think this is our best hope as an industry. I think it all, I'd like to think it will. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say wholesale, yes, it will be the mainstream and VR will be the only future of games because I absolutely don't believe that to be the case. I think um, there are too many limitations to VR. Uh, I think just simply from the fact that some people will not be able to play VR because they mm. will be motion sick from doing it. And that is something that we'll talk about in a future issue actually about why that happens and what sort of games uh, you should be kind of wary of I guess because you know Jen and I now between us we've played a lot of VR games and have, well. have you played a few on PSVR? Uh, not on PSVR. But well, that, on... who cares? I went, to the, I went to the VR World Congress <laughs> oh, recently. Okay. Well we've all played stuff in VR then and like for me I've I've had no problem playing games uh, at any point in my life. I am a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I go on stupid roller coasters with not any lap bars and chuck my hands up in the air. And uh, I, I'm definitely a thrill seeker in that sense. You and yet, it, uh, I laugh at kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I laugh in the face of kitchen. <laughs> and yet, you know what? There are a couple of PlayStation VR games that had me really like very sweaty very yeah. hot mm. and very uncomfortable mm. and when i um i've played rigs twice now and they actually changed the control system or the movement system the second time addressing what i thought was the issue the first time but even that second time by the time i'd played half of a game i was just like you know what i'm i want to take this off now mm. uh i played battlezone for an extended period of time and towards the end of that i was starting to feel a bit a bit uncomfortable, just sweaty. Yeah. Um, most other games that I've played on PSVR have been absolutely fine, no problems, but there are certain games that seem to trigger something Definitely. in me. And I don't feel like ill, but I just don't feel right. Yeah, yeah. And like, to me, there is no way that VR can become like the only future of games if people can't stand to play it beyond a certain period of time. Well, Though one of the things in terms of uh, what this E3 did to give us that indication that it could make a mainstream push is if you look at the games that have been even around at GDC last year, stuff like Thumper, um, I've got under Tumble, you know, very small indie mm -hmm. games that were uh, doing di very different stuff with VR, whereas E3 this year, 
Batman, Arkham VR, um, well, Resident yeah. Evil 7. You yeah, know, I mean, tum- Tumble and v- uh, Thumper, that was GDC this year. That was only a few months ago. Yeah. That wasn't like last year. So last year don't at know E3, it feels though. Like last year after the C3 <laughs> issue. Last yeah, year at E3, like, like they, they still had some big, you know, Riggs is, is a big one for Sony. Um, yeah, like there are lots of different experiences for VR. And I think VR just needs to find out what it can do well and what it can't, like wh- where it can excel. Like, Jen, one of the things that you enjoyed most of all at E3 above anything else yeah. was Batman, yeah, Arkham one of my VR. Games of the show, and that was more like yeah. an experiential type yeah. of uh, game rather than a sit-down Arkham Knight, this yeah. is a 30-hour thing. Mm-hmm. It was much more like uh, paired back, just uh, an experience built around two or three core ideas that yeah. it really built on and layered upon. Um, so, so VR is going to offer i think different things there'll be some overlaps for sure something like resi which can function with or without uh, it'll just be like an enhanced experience with vr um i think i hope and i would like to think that those different experiences that vr have are going to neatly complement what ps4 can do just as standard and it will be embraced by the mainstream for those other things that it's doing and having played extensively with the tech and having seen a ton of stuff that's coming and seen who Sony's partnered with for some of that stuff, it absolutely deserves to. And for 350 quid, I, I paid 100 quid at game months ago now, as soon as pre-orders became available, um, because it's like, yes, I need PlayStation VR in my life, absolutely. It's just not going to be something I sit down and, and stick on my head and play three hours a night. I'm probably going to play PSVR less than I'm going to play just with my PS4 it isn't going to replace just standard games, but it's going to be a nice addition to that I can yeah, play every now and then. That was the thing, and I'd never I'd never really tried a proper VR headset. I tried a Samsung Gear um, and didn't really know if I needed one. Went mm-hmm. to E3 and was totally sold. Like, there was one or two kinds of games that yeah. didn't really work for me, yep. made me feel a bit weird. The games that did work, I was like... I mean, obviously, I'm not going to play them for hours and hours. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, people are... There are one or two things that I, like, not really fussed about. But you can't judge uh, an entire format Mm. on a couple of duff bits of software. Like, you wouldn't judge PlayStation 4 on just two games if you had no control over what those games were. Yeah. Like, if someone said to you, Ben, I want you to judge PlayStation 4 based on Homefront the Revolution (laughs) and Dead Island Definitive Collection... Is it a good console? You say, no, it's a pile of crap. You say it's a PlayStation 4 out of 10. You would. So, so like, it is absolutely not fair to slate PSVR just because we might have had one or two demos with software that hasn't blown us away. But equally, we've only kind of played a few games compared with the massive library that are being developed. And we have had, like, uh, quite a few experiences that have totally knocked us for six in the best way possible. Completely. And... I think really to to be a success when it comes to the mainstream, because price point, I think Sony have got really decent proposition for 350 quid. I mean, that's not exactly pocket money. I appreciate that, but it is affordable for people who you know are in the console space who buy you know a console yeah, if you want to be in a normal that, cycle. Yeah. I don't think it's an extortionate amount. I think for, for what it is for the tech that's in it, it's brilliant value for money. Um, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the only challenge that Sony has is just getting people to try it. Yeah. People try it, they will want it. They're doing demos now, because right? Because rolling out. When you play it, like both Jen mm. and I yeah. were not convinced no. before we played it. Like thinking, yeah, I know what VR is going to do. Yeah, but, I was yeah, like, we'll oh, I don't want one. 
first experience for me was kitchen. I was like, I need, I need PSVR. Absolutely, one hundred percent, I need it. Um, same with you. Like as soon as you played it, and we had like a long conversation one morning. Um, one morning our time, it was late your time for. Uh, I think it was the first night or second night of E3 we were chatting and we, it was only a five minute catch up and like, next I look like the Skype window it says like half hour we've been chatting <laughs> we're just talking about the brilliance of VR, VR. Um, so yeah it, it, it's got the best chance of succeeding as a mainstream product it deserves to and I hope it does but we'll see question answered so and that brings a, a close to our question section yeah so, good uh, questions thank you yeah thank you. um keep them rolling in for our next big uh podcast that'll be in a fortnight fortnight's time to celebrate <laughs> issue 125 the biggin <gasps> the biggin uh, the twins E3, the e3 issue um, e3 can we twin special reveal our cover game so so the game on it well there are lots of games mentioned the artwork is of timefall 2 which is an absolutely stunning shooter uh we've got Obviously, our first hands-on thoughts of Titanfall 2 in this issue. We've got a lot more of Titanfall 2 coming next issue as well. We've got a massive interview with the dev team that we did after playing it. So that'll be coming the month after. Um, but we've got big hits for Mr. Crash Bandicoot, mm. uh, Mr. Kratos and God of War, for Days Gone, for Spider-Man, for Star Wars, X-Wing VR, for Resident Evil 7 uh, and a few other things as well. Uh, when you see it in shops in a couple of weeks, it will, as I say, be the twin issue. Big, nice fold-out bag. Nice, you can't miss it. It's the one with the giant mech on it. Exactly, <laughs> big um, old Titan. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more uh, on the next podcast. We'll go into details about exactly what is in the issue. Maybe talk about your hands-on experience with the Horizon, Joe, because yeah. I know it's that's peace. one that's. I'm surprised you said uh, Watchdogs over Horizon, given what it you told me about Horizon. It was very close. It was very close. Um, there were the, the kind of three very big Sony big hitters yeah. that are jostling for my attention. There you go. Um, yeah, but that's for another time. <laughs> Yes, thank you for listening today and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, bye guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.